for agility's sake. Hello everyone, this is Francisco Calderon and here today with me is Kyle Spitzley from the Agile Transformation Office, also known as the ATO, and he's going to talk about Amway's Agile Workflow Model. Hey Kyle. Hey Francisco, I'm excited to be here. Yes, so let's get right to it. Tell me about the workflow model and this thing called Agile. What is it? So Agile is a way of incrementally developing value for our ABOs and customers. And the Agile workflow model, we call it the AWM for short because it's a mouthful. It's the backbone of how we scale Agile across Amway. Um, and that's because you think about the work structures it takes to just run one department. Think about doing that across departments, all the technologies, all the solutions, all those things that we build for our ABOs. We have to change how we are delivering them and change the, the words we use to describe the process. Um, there's, a, there's a lot involved in this, but really at the end of the day, it's a simple way for us to scale agile across Amway. And not to mention across Amway globally. So Yeah, around the world. Right. So, so can you tell me more about the workflow model and what the challenges are to implementing this? Yeah, so actually I'm going to, instead of talking about the challenges to implementing this, because that's a long list, yeah. let me go to the why we need to have this model at all. Okay. So uh, I hope you don't mind. I'm changing no, the question here. No, go for it. So the, the reason that we need this model is because Amway, just like every other company out there, is struggling with some key challenges that other companies do when it comes to focusing or delivering value for your customers. And, and our customers being ABOs. Yeah, right? and, their, and their customers. Right, so right. ABOs, customers, internal stakeholders, we can put them all in that bucket. Okay. Uh, basically, the challenges that companies are facing, you've got scoping issues. Um, and so to be fair, this happens to every large organization. It just, it's a, it's part of a big business. It's, startups don't have this problem. Giant fortune 500 companies, they do. Uh, so scoping issues is solving the, the, trying to focus solving the right problems and not on every problem. Um, the ones that fit into our strategic objective and direction. Okay. The second thing is we got capacity issues. So we don't actually understand how much capacity we have in the organization. We know how many people work here. We got a good idea of how many hours they work. The struggle is real, Kyle. Yes, it is. And so we don't know what happens if we load a bunch of projects or initiatives into the system. What does that mean for our resources and our capacity? Right. We have no way of tracking that enterprise-wide. Hey, Kyle, I want to be home by five, okay? You got it, man. You got right. it. All right, so technical issues is the third category that everybody deals with. Um, and this is a problem because companies make strategic decisions without knowing the cost of uh, implementing that. And not, not cost in dollars, but the complications that you run into in technical dependencies, technical debt. Um, you know, some of our legacy systems, they have to be completely rebuilt if we want to implement certain technology. And so one of the problems that we face is we make commitments like, hey, we're going to launch this thing on September 1. And... We have no idea what it's going to take to launch that thing. So then we get six months into it and we go, oh, crap, we're not going to be able to launch this by September 1. Or we force the teams to work at this just completely unsustainable pace that burns them out so that we can ship it. And we end up losing out on quality and missing the mark with our ABOs. Yes. Okay. I'm, that makes sense. All right. The fourth one is dependency issues. And everybody has experienced this before. This is dependencies between functions or departments, um, it's dependencies between teams and dependencies between technologies. And all those things, the better we can understand them and the better we can break those dependencies, the more likely we are to deliver value frequently. Okay. And the last one is about product validation. And this is where, uh, as a company, you need to listen to the person who's using your product. 
whether that's an employee or it's an ABO out on the street uh, who's selling your, your products or it's a customer who's just buying and consuming them. We have to bring them in and show them things sooner in the process and validate that we're solving the problems that they are telling us they have. Um, so this is just an exercise of demoing things and showing things to people sooner in the process. And if we can solve those problems, uh, then we are going to be way ahead of the rest of the competition. So how do we begin addressing those issues here at Amway? Yeah, so that's where the Agile workflow model comes in. So okay. our AWM is set up and it organizes teams in a way that kind of forces us to have these conversations that include the right people, the right information at the right time. Um, and so that is just a way of work flowing through the system, kind of fostering the conversations we need to have to avoid those problems before we run into them. Okay, so the, how do we have those conversations at the right time with the right people? Yeah, so that is where our structure of the teams and the tiers come together. So okay. what we're covering is really just the tip of the iceberg for, of the Agile workflow model. I mean, at its heart, it's a method for planning, coordinating, and tracking work by taking these big fuzzy concepts that are strategic objectives and turning them into tangible things that the teams can work on and build. Um, and that process we call progressive elaboration. Um, it's a fancy word for simply breaking things down into smaller pieces. So can you tell me about these teams then? What, what, what do they look like and how many are there? Yeah, that's a good question. So we have, our model is four tiers. And so the four tiers are investment, portfolio, product and delivery. And so okay. the four tiered model has a number of teams in it. And at the top level of investment, you've got an investment team and there may be many of those. So there's in the digital space, there's an investment team. There might be an investment team in the sales space. And so those teams are going to have to work together. But if we talk about just in the digital space, we got, we've got one investment team and we probably have multiple portfolio teams at the portfolio level because right. one portfolio manages a certain number of products or a certain scope of products, and the next portfolio manages a different scope of products. So it sounds like the investment team is really looking at what we traditionally call objectives. Yeah, so the investment tier is looking at where do we want to spend our money. So we okay. will say, all right, so for 2020, our objective is to, you know, improve the incentive plan for ABOs around the globe. Oh, okay, yeah. um, it might be to, I don't I don't continue to, to advance our digital transformation, whatever those big objectives are, we look at uh, the investment team and the, at the investment tier level for them to make essentially AOP decisions about where are we going to put the dollars. Okay. And so at this point, we're just saying, here's how much money we're going to put in and here's what we think we're going to work on. We haven't set any dates. We haven't, you know, finalized anything or communicated to our ABOs. We're going to launch something on a certain day. Well, at least we shouldn't. We shouldn't be doing those things at this point because we have no idea uh, of the co the technical debt that we're going to have to work through to make that happen. Right. Okay. So what's the next? Team? Yeah. So that's at the investment level. The next team is that portfolio space, and they have to figure out how do we take these problems we're trying to solve that we've just been served by the investment tier, and how do we how do we prioritize the problems we're trying to solve? And looking at the products that we have and the experiences that we're trying to create in the, in the digital space, how do we take those things and prioritize which ones to do first? And that's the portfolio levels work. Okay. Um, and then that moves into the product tier where you've got the product teams. And there can be multiple product teams in the product tier uh, because there's many different products. And so you got product owners, um, product owner managers, the people playing roles in that space. But what they're doing is looking at what are our solution options? How can we develop the product to solve that problem that is being described uh, by the ABO or the customer or whoever it is? And they are 
Um, they're looking at this from the lens of a solution uh, to a problem. And so they work a lot with the portfolio tier to figure out, you know, is this the problem? Uh, is the solution we're building going to solve that problem? Uh, and they'll ask for feedback from the ABOs along the way. Okay. Then once we start to get those uh, product kind of the solution options uh, into, I don't know what you would call it, a little more clarity. Basically, you get a sense of where we're going. The product team is working with the delivery team, figuring out what is the true um, definition of the features we're trying to build. Uh, So let me go back a little bit because I haven't included some key terms that we probably should. At the investment tier, we're talking about initiatives. And it's really just a bucket of a way for us to describe um, a scope of work. And so an initiative is similar to a project. It's something that takes 12 to 18 months long to accomplish. And then at the portfolio tier, we're talking more about epics. As you may have heard of an epic brief as something that we have to fill out. And that helps us understand what the problem is, what it's going to solve. And then you go into the next level at the product level, we're talking about features. And this is more of the solution definition or solution design space where we're talking about, you know, how much is this going to cost? What value are we going to get from it? Uh, And those features break down into user stories. And that's when we're getting into the delivery tier where we have delivery teams. So these teams are operating in a scrum fashion. They're running on two sprint or two week sprint cycles. And they're essentially pulling those features and and turning them into broken down user stories and then building those user stories. Well, that might be developing some code. It might be integrating some services. um, Anything that's going to build a tangible thing that I can give to a customer or ABO. Okay, so it sounds like to me, if I understood you correctly, we're taking a big body of work and in essence we're breaking it down so that we can address that body of work and then deliver something tangible to our customers. Is that right? That's right. It's pretty simple when you put it that way. So we're basically going down the four tiers of investment, portfolio, product, and delivery. And we've got really just a few concepts to remember. There's the initiatives that break into epics, and epics break into features, features break into stories. And then we're, as we're shipping stories, we're shipping code and delivering things that people can use. Okay, so you mentioned Scrum fashion. What does that mean? Scrum is just a methodology of Agile where you work in a time box fashion and you decide at the beginning of a sprint, here's what we're going to work on. You put it into your uh, sprint plan and you start working on it. And you should be done with those things by the end of your sprint. And so it's just a way for us to, um, as teams, to be accountable to each other. And here's what I'm going to deliver at the end of two weeks. And so by shortening things, we end up having to build smaller pieces. um, And that just makes it more real. It allows us to get feedback more often. It allows us to improve how we operate more often. And I think you mentioned that our our sprints are typically two weeks in length, right? Yep. So most teams operate on two weeks. Um, There are some teams that operate on one-week sprints. Um, One-week sprints are really fast, but some teams can do that. But the point I think I understand you saying is at the end of that sprint, we're delivering something to our customer, which is something that we have not traditionally done in the past. Yeah, you wouldn't believe this, but there are actually teams right now that can deliver code and put it into production every day. Wow. I mean, that surprised me when I yeah. first heard it, but there are teams here who are set up to do that. They've been decoupled from other things, um, and they are working in an agile fashion where they've gotten really good at developing and testing their work, and they are shipping it and just shipping it. 
So it sounds like we're setting ourselves up to be more efficient. Yeah. We're going to go cool. faster. We're going to deliver value, and we're going to deliver awesome. things that the ABOs tell us they actually want, not things that we just guess they want. Right, because they're giving us feedback all along. Yeah, right? that product validation yeah, is yeah. really important. Okay, cool. So um, where can I get more information about this? I like this. I like this process. Yeah, so this is a... Uh, um, this is a really exciting time at Amway because we get to kind of change the way we do work at Amway yeah. and what, what we're doing here. So, but there's two things I want people to remember yeah. before I tell you where you can learn more. Uh, those things to remember, number one is Agile is about building incrementally and constantly incorporating user feedback. We're not starting by writing every single feature on day one. and Every requirement is clear and building the thing and building the thing and building the thing and then delivering it on the last day. We build progressively and adjust as we get feedback. The second thing that's really important to remember is that the teams we're setting up, they have a really clear cadence of ceremonies like sprint planning and retrospectives. They also have clearly established rules about how they work together, how they know what their priorities are, what the dependencies are, what the team's capacity is, and they figure all those things out before they start building anything. And one of the most important factors on an Agile team is that they are keeping that work visible and making sure that it's in front of everybody. So you might see a lot of visual management boards uh, in the digital space because they've got all these VMS boards showing, here's all the stories we're working on, here's all the epics we're working on. And that's so that everybody can just walk up and know what's going on right away so nothing gets lost in the cracks. So we're staying accountable to our stakeholders. Yeah, and okay. ourselves, and our, yeah. I mean, each, each of our team members. And so if we can do those things, we have a much better chance of eliminating the risks of going over on our schedule um, and actually meeting our commitments. Okay. Well, thanks for your time, Kyle. This has really uh, been very valuable information about Agile. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do it. I appreciate the time, Francisco. Yeah. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and share it with others. To learn more about Amway's Agile journey, follow the hashtag AmwayAgile on Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And if you're an employee, do that and search Amway Agile forward slash in your browser.